Thanks, Daniel. Well, my name is Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here as well, and it's a, a joy to welcome all of you here. I actually want to start with a little update. I got an email from Rick Stevenson yesterday. Rick is the former pastor at City Hope Church, a, a sister church of ours. Uh, they ended up closing a while ago. Um, two things. Rick, first of all, said thank you to whoever from Hillside bought him dinner the other night. He said he didn't know who it was. He got to the register, and uh, somebody from Hillside had paid for him. So thank you for that. But also, he just got a job teaching at Michigan State. And so uh, he'll be teaching there and just wanted our prayers for him as he begins kind of a different sort of ministry form of teaching there at Michigan State. But uh, again, thank you to whoever bought Rick dinner. And uh, again, keep him in your prayers. As Kevin already said, we're going to begin Advent this morning. We do begin Advent this morning. And it, it's a word that means coming or arrival. And this is a four-week period where we, where we really just prepare ourselves to receive Jesus Christ, to, to get ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. We here at Hillside have done that and, and used these four weeks to prepare ourselves. And we've, we've done it in a number of ways. Sometimes for a passage to guide us, we've gone to the Old Testament. And we've looked at the prophets and what they've said about the, the coming of Jesus and the hunger they had and the desire they had for the Messiah to come, for God to come down and make things right. And it's talking about what was wrong in the brokenness of this world. We've used the prophets, we've used Matthew and Luke and their stories about angels and shepherds and wise men and stars and, 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 and mangers and all those wonderful things. We've looked at those things. But as far as I can remember, since I've been here, we've never done the Gospel of John. And, and John's Christmas story. John's Christmas story is a little bit different. He tells it to us in John 1, 1 through 18. And, and, and what he tells us is, is, is he tells us about the coming of Jesus Christ, but, but it sounds a little different. John doesn't give us shepherds. John doesn't give us angels. He doesn't give us uh, even a little baby. He says the word became flesh. But I want to suggest that John gives us something amazing and wonderful and powerful as he tells us about Jesus, the word becoming flesh. And so we're going to, for the next uh, four weeks, and then on Christmas Eve as well, look at John 1, verses 1 to 18. Now, one of the things I think that can help us understand what John is trying to do is to, is to think about when the Gospels start. John wants to give us what we would call a really high view of Christ, all right? He wants us to know that the baby who was born is, is, is very high. So one of the ways to get at that is to ask this question, and, and I hope you find this interesting, but when does the Gospel, the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus Christ begin? There are four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Many of you know that. But there are four stories of Jesus. And one of the interesting things to do is to compare each of them of where they start to tell us about Jesus, of, of where the story of Jesus begins. So I want to start with, with looking at that question. I want to put up a timeline here and say, okay, we'll make the beginning of it creation there. And then we'll recognize that the birth of Jesus was somewhere around 6 BC, okay? Not know exactly for sure, but somewhere around there, the birth of Jesus. And then the ministry of Jesus, he was about 30 years old when the ministry began. So let's say 24 AD. He ministered for about three years before he died and rose again. So we'll put that at 27 AD, all right? So here's our timeline. And, and the question is, where does the story begin? Mark is the one who begins the latest, all right? Let's look at the beginning of Mark. Mark 1, 1 to 4 says this, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. And then John says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. So, or excuse me, Mark says John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. So if we take Mark, Mark actually begins the story of Jesus right there, all right? Just before the ministry of Jesus. Mark doesn't tell us anything about the birth of Jesus. 
Okay, he doesn't go back. There's no, there's no birth story. These are the first words. And he tells us about John the Baptist who came, and, and he was about the same age as Jesus. They, they, the moms were pregnant at the same time, about the same age. But what he tells us is about when John started to preach. So shortly before the ministry of Jesus is when Mark starts his story. All right, what about Luke? Where does Luke start his story? Well, verses 1 to 4 of, of Luke 1 are kind of saying to, philo- to, to the guy who wrote the letter, to Theophilus, I, I want to tell you this story. So he starts his story really in verse 5, and he says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. To make a long story short, Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. And what happens here, John's going to, excuse me, Luke is going to tell us about how an angel comes to Zechariah and says, you know what, your wife is going to have a baby, you've got to call him John, okay? So if we look at Luke, Luke kind of goes here to just before the birth of Jesus, the announcement of the birth of John. Now, in chapter 3, he's going to go all the way back to Adam, but I, I, that's not where he starts, okay? That's not where he starts. All right, well, let's look at Matthew. Where does Matthew start, all right? Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1 of Matthew. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. And he goes all the way down. So so if we're going to put Matthew up here, we've got to put Abraham. And we'll put him about 2000 B.C. And so that's where Matthew starts. He starts with Abraham. All right? So you can see we're getting earlier and earlier as we go through these. What about John? What about John? Again, John wants to lift Jesus up. He wants us to know how amazing this baby is. He wants us to know how far he's come. And so what does John 1-1 say? It says this, in the beginning, in the beginning. And and, and some of you think it immediately. Well, that sounds a lot like Genesis 1 verse 1, right? Like the very first words of the Bible, and that's exactly right. In the beginning, Genesis 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it sounds like what John wants to do is John wants to bring us all the way back to creation. And and he wants to say, that's where I want to start. When I want to tell you about Jesus, but you know what? That's not exactly right. Because look at the next word in John 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, all right? So what John wants to say is that, is that Jesus, the story of Jesus starts before the beginning. In the beginning, the creation story, the Genesis 1 story, Jesus was already around then. I want to go back there. And so what John ends up doing is saying, no, I want to go back before creation. John starts his Christmas story. John starts his story about the birth of Jesus Christ by saying, I'm going back before Adam. I'm going back before the sun. I'm going back before the moon. I'm going back before anything was other than God. I'm going back to before time began. I'm going back to when it was just God in the very beginning. And part of what John wants to say to us is that we can't understand this. We can't understand the birth of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, unless we understand that he was there before all of creation. That when he came to be born, he came from outside of creation. He came from outside of everything else because he was there before the beginning. And, and, and so that's why I say I think this story can be really helpful for us. Uh, you know, we get, we get Matthew and Luke give us that, that baby Jesus who's human, and we need that. He is. John is going to say, but he's also this. And he's going to lift him up higher and higher. So John 1, 1 through 18, and I want you to listen to the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone. What was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. And his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but children born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, the one and only Son has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. John gives us an amazing picture. He gives us an amazing picture of who Jesus Christ is, that he is the light in the darkness, that he is the one who comes into this world. And and we're going to just listen to John. And like I say, in, in these especially in these first five verses. That's what we're going to look at this morning. John 1, 1 to 5. In in these first five verses, we are going to see a picture of Jesus Christ and just how amazing he is. And John wants us to know that he is big enough and he is strong enough and he can save us. This baby who was born has, has all the power because he comes and is God himself. He comes from and is God himself. So I want to take a look at these verses and, and, and with the time we have left, I want to just touch on three things. Three things in these first five verses that John wants us to know about who Jesus Christ is and, and, and that help, help us understand and I think really prepare our hearts to, to receive Jesus Christ. Again, John says he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. And, and we're going to ask in a couple of weeks, what about us? Are we ready to receive him? Do we have hearts? Will we recognize him? His fingerprints are all over this world, but will we recognize him? So three things that we have to know about Jesus Christ, three things that help us understand what happens on Christmas Day. The first thing he says about Jesus, he says that Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Four times in these 18 verses, John calls Jesus the Word. Only once he calls him Jesus. But four times he calls him the Word. And, and, and part of what I think we need to ask ourselves is, what did John mean? When John says, in the beginning was the word, what, what's he talking about? What are we supposed to understand? I mean, that, what, what does it mean for us to, to say Jesus Christ is the word? Well, in order to understand what John is talking about, part of what we need to understand is that he's writing and, and kind of has two groups in mind. And I think he brings meaning to each one of those groups and then ties it all together, all right? First of all, John is writing for, for Jewish people, all right? For people who have, are Christians, but they have a Jewish background. And, and we want to think about, well, what did they hear? And then we'll take a look at, what about the Greeks and the Romans, the Gentiles? 
those who didn't have a Jewish background, what would they have heard? John said, in the beginning was the word, and the word he uses there is, is logos. What would Jews, Jewish people have heard? I, I want to suggest that what they would have heard and thought about was that Jesus is the word of God. The, the word of God. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout their scriptures, the, 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 this thing called the word of God was, was powerful, and, and it became almost something separate from God himself. I mean, the, the word of God was active, first of all, in creation, right? God, God created through his word. When, when we think about the word, the Jewish people would have thought about, yeah, God, God created through the word. In Genesis 1, verse 3, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. How did God create? Through his word, through his spoke, speaking, through his spoken word, that's how God created. And now John is saying, that's who Jesus is. And, and everything God created, and God said, and God said, and God said. It goes through the rest of Genesis 1 that way. Psalm 33. Psalm 33, 6 and 9 says this. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Excuse me. And, and so I think the first thing was that God created through his word, all right? Second thing that the Jewish person would have understood by the word of God is, is not just that creative word, but that God guides through his word, right? And, and, and here we think of scripture. Here we think of the Bible. The word of God was something that, that the Jewish people took with great reverence, that they, they, they respected. And, and they said, this is how we live. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Jesus is going to quote these words later on in his life. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, all right? We don't live by, we live on the word of God. It's, it's like this separate thing, something that's real and it has substance and we can chew on it. Exodus 20, verse one, the 10 commandments, the beginning of them right here. And God spoke all these words. How does God guide? It's through the word. It, it, it's through the word. God guides through his word. It's full of it. The prophets in the Old Testament say, this is the word of the Lord. This is God's word. And, 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 and so when they said, in the beginning was the word, that's what they would have thought about. And, and God's word is light. Okay, again, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. All right? And, 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 and so when John says, in the beginning was the word, for a Jewish person in John's day, like I said, the, the word of God had actually almost become something separate. Okay, there was God and there was God's word, and it was almost something separate that had eternal existence. And John says, yes, and in fact, his name is Jesus. That Jesus is the word of God. That Jesus is the artist of creation. That Jesus is the one who has his fingerprints all over this place. That Jesus is the one who's, who, who, is, who is the word. It, it, Jesus is the one who speaks. Jesus is the one who guides. Jesus is the light. John wants to say, that's what I'm talking about. All of these things that are so important of, of guidance and, and creation and, and of light. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is the word of God. And this baby who was born is the one who created all things. This baby is the born who is the one who, who has his fingerprints all over it. So for the Jewish people, I think they would have heard the word of God. What about for the Gentiles? For the Gentiles, that word logos was a kind of a philosophical term, okay? And, and that might scare some of you off, but stick with me on this because we'll end with Star Wars, okay? So, I mean, it's a philosophical term. And, and the question they were asking is a question that we still ask. And, and the question they were asking was, is there anything that holds the world together, all right? Is, is there anything that ties it all together, or is this just random, okay? Is, is all this just an accident? Is all this just random? Or is there some principle 
that guides everything, that runs through everything, that if we can understand that, we can start to go with the grain of the universe, so to speak, all right? Is there anything like that? And that thing that was the unifying principle, that was the logos, okay? The the logos was the unifying principle. It was the, the reason for everything. It was the purpose for everything. It was why everything existed, okay? That's what the logos was. It was what tied everything together. And like I say, we kind of still look for that today, right? We still want to, is there anything that, that holds it all together? I think of uh, Hindus would talk about karma, right? Right? The, 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 the karma is there. And we still, sometimes some of us use that kind of language, right? You do something bad, you're going to get bad karma, right? You do something good, you're going to get good karma. And so karma is this thing that runs all the way through everything, and it's the unifying principle. It takes care of justice. It brings things, and when you're bad, it will make you pay, and when you're good, it will reward you, and so on. And, and, and so the logos for a Hindu would be karma, okay? A Hindu would say it's karma. Um, for some evolutionists, not all, but they would say it's survival of the fittest. I've got a brother-in-law who says this is, this is what ties the whole universe together. There's one principle. It's power. It's survival of the fittest. The only goal in life, the only purpose in life is to survive, all right? And, and that's what you've got to understand. That's what holds it all together, survival of the fittest. Star Wars, it's the force, right? I mean, when Star Wars talks about the force, it's talking about the logos. It's saying this is the unifying force of, of, all, unif- of all history. It's, it's the unifying principle. The force holds everything together, right? We want to have this sort of thing. We want to know what ties it together, what holds it together. We want to know what is the logos. And and what John says to us is it's Jesus. It's Jesus who is the reason for everything. It's Jesus who is the purpose for everything. It's Jesus who is a part of creating everything. It's Jesus who ties everything in together, all right? It is Jesus who is the logos. And when John is saying he is the logos, he is saying, uh, in some ways similar to what the Jewish people have said, he's the creator, he's the force, he's the unifying principle, he's the reason for, he's the ultimate goal of, that is Jesus. And and, and what John wants to say is, is that logos is a person. The unifying principle is not a principle, it's a person. And what ties it all together, think of Colossians, in Christ all things hold together. John makes this clear in John 1.3. Again, he talks, I think, to both groups when he says, through him, through Christ, through the word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. He is the logos. All right, it's, it's the one who is the creator. It's the one, he is the one who is coming to be born. John 1.4, in him was life, Right? the force. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus is life. Jesus is light. Jesus is the word. He is the logos. And and John says, that's the one who's come into the world. That's the one who's come into the world, the one who, who is the creator, the one who is the guide, the one who is the light, the one who is the lamp, this little baby who was born. And, and again, we need to understand that because we look at the life that he lived. We look at the way that he's born, and it doesn't make sense. Because it makes more sense to follow Nietzsche and say the Logos is power, right? In this world, as you look around, uh, it's say the, the Logos is power. It's survival of the fittest. That's who survives in this world. No, the real Logos is Jesus. And that it will, is who will ultimately survive, all right? So that's the first thing he says. Jesus is the word. The second thing he says is this. Jesus is with God and is God, all right? Again, fairly theological, philosophical kind of stuff, but stick with me on this, all right? He says two things there. Jesus, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, all right? And the word is God. The word was God, all right? So with and is. I want to start with is. 
Again, what, what are we supposed to hear from, from the fact that John says that Jesus is God? Again, verse 18 says he himself is God. John, John makes that claim. And, and what he's telling us is that everything God is, Jesus is. Okay, so when we say God is all-powerful, Jesus is all-powerful. When we say God is all-knowing, uh, all Jesus is all-knowing. When we say that God is all-everywhere-present, Jesus is everywhere-present. Now, he set some of that aside as he was born. When the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, he set some of that aside. But everything, Jesus is God. And, and part of what that means is that he comes from outside of creation, okay? He comes, remember that, the, he comes from outside of creation, now, this is going to sound a little weird, but stick with me on this because you'll like it, okay? But Dale Bruner, in his commentary on, on this passage, talks about how somebody once told him, and he checked it out, and he said it's basically true. In a Western, all right, in a movie, a Western, a book, or whatever, in a Western, when the hero comes, the hero 99% of the time, 99.9% of the time, has to come from outside of town. The, the hero has to come, because the town is under siege, right? The town is in trouble. The town can't save itself, but the hero comes from outside of town. Even in High Noon with Gary Cooper, Gary Cooper has to leave the town, and then he goes back in, okay? He goes back in, because when you're in a Western, the only way to get saved is to have somebody come from outside of town. John is saying, that's the way Jesus is. The Western is following John, I think, here. Jesus comes from outside. We, we can know that he is strong enough to save us because he comes from outside, We can know that he doesn't have the same problems we have because he comes from outside, because he is God. He's outside of creation. He is the Lord of creation. And because of that, we know that ultimately he will be the victor, okay? And and, and so to say that the word is God, part of what John is saying is is what you can learn from a Western, (laughs) that our help comes from outside of town. None of us can save ourselves. None of us can save any else here. Our only hope is for somebody from outside of town, and that one is Jesus. So Jesus is strong enough to save us. He is God. Everything God is, Jesus is. We could also flip that around and say everything Jesus is, God is. John wants to say nobody's ever seen God, right? Verse 18, but Jesus has made him known. And so if you want to know what God is like, Jesus says, look at me. So Jesus is God. It's the next one I think that's really interesting as well. Uh, Jesus is with God. Two things that that means. First of all, it means he's separate from God, right? Right? If I'm with somebody, I'm not that person. Right? If I'm riding in the car with somebody, I'm not that other person. I am with that person. And so what we have is we have Jesus as God. We have the beginning of the Trinity, right? We have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is going to, the Bible's going to make clear as part of that as well. But we have three persons, one God. There's a separation between the Father and the Son. But... What's also very cool and I think and more significant is that the Father and the Son, and, and we can add in the Spirit, excuse me. Um, there we go, separate from the Father. But what we need to understand is that the, the Father and the Son and the Spirit have the deepest relationship of love anyone could have, okay? When, when, when John uses the word with, okay, when John uses the word with, he doesn't just mean alongside of, okay? There's a word that John could have used that just simply means that they were together. He and I were riding in the car. We were with each other. But the word that John uses here is actually the Greek word that means into. Jesus was into God. And in fact, if we jump ahead to John 1 verse 18, it says this, No one has ever seen God, the one and only son, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in 
this is the key word, in closest relationship with the Father. This made him know. Jesus and the Father are in closest relationship. All right? He wants us to know. John wants us to know that they love each other. In the old, some of the translations that are more literal, some that are older, New American Standard Bible, it says, who is in the bosom of the Father? That's the picture. That's the literal. It's, it's who is in the bosom of the Father. And so what John wants us to know is that Jesus is God, but Jesus is also with God. And they're not just next to each other, but they are so into each other. They, are, they have bosom rights, right? The fact is, think about this, and don't get too strange with it, but, but think about this. One of the ways you can tell how close somebody is to you is whether that person has bosom rights, Okay? Whether that person, if you're laying on the couch, can come and lean against you. Whether that person can get that close to you. Now, I will tell you, all of you at this service, that I love all of you, but none of you have bosom rights. <laughs> if I'm watching TV and you come in and lean against my bosom, I'm going to say, no, we're not that close. It's only a few people who are that close, right? Spouses, kids, grandkids. They have bosom rights. They have that kind of closeness. But Jesus, the Son, and the Father have that kind of closeness. The Spirit has that kind of closeness. They have bosom relationships. They have bosom rights. They are leaning against each other. And, 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 and that is just an amazing thing to me to think about because we get a picture of what God is like here that is so amazing and so different because what it means is at his heart, God is love, Okay? At his heart, God is serving. At his heart, God is giving. God is caring. You want to know what God did before he created the world? He loved. The Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit had a circle of love. And what they wanted to do when they created was to expand that circle of love. Okay? That's what they did when they created. But think about it. God is love. John's going to say in his letter, God is love. And if Jesus is the Logos... What it means is that the logos of the world is love. Not power, but love. Now, we live in a broken world. So love gets mixed up. And love doesn't feel like it's with the grain. But friends, the center principle of this universe is love. The unifying principle, the logos of this universe is love. It's serving, it's caring, it's giving, because that's who God is. And you are never more like God than when you are loving You are never more like God than when you are serving. You are never more like God than when you are giving yourself up for somebody else. That's who the Logos is. That's who Jesus is. That's who the Father is. That's who the Spirit is. He is, they have this bosom relationship, all right? They have this unbelievably close relationship. And and, and so the Logos is love. And we are called to be people who love. In a broken world, until Jesus comes back, loving's not always going to work the way it's supposed to. But one day, loving and serving will lead to the top. One day, giving will lead to the deepest joy. Right now, it's an inner joy. It's not always the fullness of joy. But the logos is love, and again, we're created in God's image. And so that means you and I were created to not give everybody bosom rights, but to be in relationship. You and I were created to love and to serve and to give. Jesus is with God and is God. Jesus is into God. Jesus is in the bosom of the Father. Friends, before the world was, there was love. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit laughing and serving and caring for each other and having a grand old time. 
and they wanted to expand the circle of love. So Jesus is the word. Jesus is with God, and Jesus is God. And real quickly, just to close, and we're going to come back to this, but, but the darkness is not able to defeat Jesus, all right? John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, all right? John's worldview, there is a battle. We just got done looking for, I don't know, five or six weeks at spiritual warfare from Ephesians, Paul's letter. This is, this is John's version of spiritual warfare. In John's world, there is spiritual warfare, and the battle is between light and darkness. That Jesus Christ, that God created with light, but darkness came in, and darkness is trying to put out the light. Darkness is trying to blow out the light. Darkness is trying to get rid of it. But John wants us to know, darkness has not overcome it. I, I just, right now, just think about this. For some of us, and I, somebody had posted this on Facebook yesterday, but it's saying, you know, we need to remember at this time of the year those who struggle. Think of some of you for whom this is going to be the first Christmas without. The first Christmas without a spouse. The first Christmas without a child. The first Christmas without your marriage. The darkness can seem really strong. The darkness of sin. The darkness of pain and suffering. The darkness of depression. There are days when we face things and we wonder if the darkness is going to win. You need to say the light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't overcome it. The darkness is strong. But friends, Jesus Christ wins. Our hero comes from out of town to be with us and to save us. Jesus is the word. Jesus is with God and is God. The darkness is not able to defeat Jesus. As we prepare for Christmas, put the lights up, buy some gifts, Get out the tinsel, candy canes, all that stuff. But make sure you take some time for your heart. And, and, and this year, again, especially this week, we're going to think about this. But, but to recognize who Jesus is by where he came from. That he was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life is the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Father, uh, we sometimes underestimate you, and we underestimate Jesus. Thank you for letting us know he's human, but remind us that he's also you. That you loved us so much to become us. You, you loved us so much that the word became flesh. Jesus, we, we just think right now of you as that word, as you as the creator, as you as the unifying principle, as you, you are the one who just holds it all together. And to think that you loved me. That you loved each and every one of us so that you would come and die so that we could live if we believe in you. So Jesus, help us to see where you came from so we can understand how big you are and how much you love us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand to receive God's parting word of benediction? Again, following our service, there are going to be some folks from Hillside in the prayer room. If you'd like to talk with somebody, uh, they'd be happy to, uh, to meet with you, to talk with you, and to um, just spend some time in prayer with you. People of God, as you go from this place, know 
that the grace of the word of God goes with you. Amen.